Hello, everyone. Welcome to Better Health While Aging, a podcast that gives you strategies and information about the health and well-being of older adults. We discuss common health problems that affect people over age 60, the best ways to prevent and manage those problems, and we also often address common concerns and dilemmas that come up with aging parents and other older loved ones, like what to do if you're worried about falls or safety or memory, or even the quality of an older person's health care. I'm your host, Dr. Leslie Kernison. I'm a practicing geriatrician, so that means I'm a medical doctor specialized in geriatrics, which is the art and science of modifying healthcare so that it works better for older people and for their families. Today, I have my co-host, geriatrician Dr. Nicole Dinnick, joining me. And in this episode, we are going to do something a little different, which is that she is going to interview me because I have a new book coming out soon. So at this point, I'm going to turn it over to Dr. Nicole. Thank you so much. That's great. Well, thank you. I'm really excited to be interviewing you. And, you know, I have a feeling this is going to feel a lot more like just a conversation between colleagues because I was so excited to read your book and I managed to snag an advanced copy. The book title is When Your Aging Parent Needs Help, a geriatrician step-by-step guide to memory loss, resistance, safety worries, and more. The title alone got me kind of excited because, you know, we know that there are millions of caregivers out there and a lot of them are the children of aging parents. And there's very little practical advice that's from a credible source. So I thought this is going to be an amazing resource and, and I read it with great interest. So because not only I'm a, I'm a geriatrician, I have a practice in Canada, but a lot of the issues that we face are very similar to those in the US. And I'm also the child of aging parents. So this book was right up my alley. So it's exciting to be able to well, talk about it today. It. Yeah, no, it was, it, it flew by. It was so practical. But like, why do you think this book is necessary? Like, who would you say that this book is written for? Well, this book is written for people who are worried about an aging parent and are trying to figure out how to get in there and help. And I wrote it because, as you know, as a practicing geriatrician, you know, our patients in principle are older adults, sometimes much older adults. And often we have families pulling at our sleeve in the clinic or writing to us saying that they've gotten worried and they're trying to figure out how to help. And those are the older people who are lucky enough to already be in the care of a geriatrician. But this is something I've thought about a lot, how, as you know, like families are often our partners, right, in caring for an older person, but that there's this point in the family's life where they realize that maybe they need to get involved. You know, what I think of as the start of the journey. And it's something that people have often written to us about at Better Health While Aging, me and now you, because you've been Mm -hmm. helping me answer comments. So, you know, we we get a lot of those like questions, right? Like I've gotten like worried about my mom, but you know, this and that is happening, but she's denying there's a problem or refusing my help. What do I do? I knew it was a really common problem and I wanted to help people navigate that first part where, where they need to get involved and they're so often just unsure of what to do. And, and we, know, we know that, as you were saying, families are partners to us and play this huge role in caring for older adults. But certainly in the States, they don't get a lot of like education and support on how to do it. They tend to just kind of figure it out as they go along. And I think it's especially hard at the beginning where they just, everything's so new. 
they're not, they're not ready for this. Their parent usually hasn't prepared them for this. Like nobody's ready <laughs> for making uh-huh. this, this transition. So I've thought about it a lot and I felt like, you know, we've addressed parts of it on Better Health While Aging, but that to give people like a step-by-step was more than I could write in an article, but that we could do it in a short book. Uh, And it is a short book, actually. I forget how many words it is, but it's shorter than most books. And so since I know that, I feel like ideally people would be able to get help. And so you've probably also heard this from people that they often struggle to get help from their usual doctors and Uh they're not sure who to ask. And so I wanted to create something that would give them a little bit of a roadmap because if they're not able to be your patient or my patient, where we can kind of walk them through this, I felt like the next mm-hmm. best is, let me like explain to you sort of what I would be telling a family and give you tools so that you can more effectively understand what's going on, what to look for, how to talk to your parents, what to ask mm-hmm. for, for help from your usual health providers, from other sort of options for help with you know, social situations. Yeah you know, how to do this while respecting your parents' autonomy and dignity, and ideally trying to protect that relationship, because this is often a huge stressor on the relationship between adult child and parent as well. Yeah. That's what, you know, kind of led me to write it was just, you know, seeing so many people struggle, especially at this beginning part where they just have not at all gotten used to being involved, and there are all these new arenas that they're going to need to learn to navigate, healthcare for older adults, elder care, family dynamics shifting. Yeah. So this was meant to be like a little contribution to help them get through it. Well, I think it's a much needed contribution because I don't think, and you know, being a geriatrician too, like I, there's lots of times where people ask me about resources and, you know, can I recommend a book or a guide or something, but there isn't really a lot that's written by a geriatrician like even by a physician, let alone someone who's an expert in aging. So that really, I think, is what sets this book apart. And it's extremely practical. Like when you talk about tools and kind of uh, almost simulating the geriatrician experience, like I felt like when I was reading it, I thought, you know, it's almost like you're over the shoulder of of the child and you're saying, yes, you know, try that. But it might go better if you try this, you know, and then if it doesn't work, well, go to chapter seven, because that's where I tell you, you know, how to pick up the visas. So it, it's, I think that's very valuable because you're right. Unfortunately, everybody doesn't have access to quality geriatric medicine. Mm-hmm. And so this is a way of getting some of the important information if you don't have that resource, or even if you do, and you just, you know, you need help and you want to get the most out of it. I, and I appreciate too, that it's, the book is divided up into a very a very easy to navigate kind of style. So maybe we should talk about that without giving away too much of the book. I think we course. can give away as much <laughs> as we want because my feeling is yeah. that the more people have the information, the better. And then if they want the written out version with like the step-by-step, yes, yeah. the book is there. And if mm-hmm. not, that's fine too. So yeah, yeah. we can give away whatever you want. Okay, because it, it is good to have the written book because I know like I've I read it and even, you know, doing things with my own parent, I have to say that I had to read it and try out the, the strategy and then kind of go back and refer back and see, oh yeah, well, maybe I didn't quite get their viewpoint the best way I could have, right? So it's mm-hmm. good to have as a reference. But, yeah. but and I want to tell you more about that later, but let's just talk about how the book is divided up. So it's three parts. Mm-hmm. And the first one is taking stock, mm-hmm. then taking aim, mm-hmm. and then taking action. Mm-hmm. 
And, and then there is a fourth part afterwards, which I think is like getting ready for the longer haul. <laughs> right, right. Digging in yes. for the long haul. Because that's the other thing is that I think a lot of people come into our office and they say, they kind of feel like, let's get this sorted out, you know, and then they think they're going to leave and it'll be like, that's, that's solved, like tick, you know, don't yeah. have to worry about mom anymore, but let's, that's just not what happens. So no. yeah, there's the, there's kind yeah. of the, the long haul. But the first three are, I think, yeah, the most important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So people all usually want to go right to taking action though, don't they? Like, just tell me what to do exactly. you know, and I'll do it. But why do you have to do those other steps first, the taking stock and taking aim? Like take stock of what? Yeah. You know, people might say, well, what, I know what the problem is. My mom won't hire a, a cleaning lady. That's the problem. But yeah. there's more to it, right? When you're taking stock. So yeah. Like, so, what would you say? Well, I think so. First of all, like problems that people perceive as problems are often like a teeny piece of the problem or like the very sort of surface of it. Mm-hmm. But it's also, and I think it's something we do in geriatrics in general is that one of the things I love about geriatrics is that we usually step back and look at the bigger picture of -hmm. something and think about what's important to the person before we dive into a smaller piece. So some of it was about giving people a framework to apply that. But also, I think in general, like action that's not grounded in understanding the situation and understanding where you're trying to go is often not very effective, right? You need to have an understanding of where you're trying to get to. And for that, you need to learn more about why these kinds of problems come up for aging parents and what are the options. And then you also need to sort of like better understand what exactly is happening with your parents, not just in terms of the problems they're having, but how they see it and what's important to them. Mm-hmm. So, so the book was set up that way to, you know, first of all, give people something specific and practical that they could go through so that if they're worried about her cleaning or her driving, here are also other things. And again, I modeled a lot of this on like, what do I do as a geriatrician, oh. which is probably really similar to what you do, because as I often say, I don't think I'm exceptional as a geriatrician. You know, we've been trained in ways to assess and address common age related challenges. And, you know, so it was a lot about sort of spelling out, well, you know, when people tell me I'm worried about the driving or the cleaning house, or can they live alone? I look for all these specific things to really make sure I understand what might be happening to the person. And so that's part of the, you know, taking stock. And then Mm. we also, you know, talk to our patients in depth to better understand how they see it before we move to action, because that understanding helps inform action that is likely to be a good fit with what's happening for the person and a good fit with what they care about and what matters to them. Mm, That is so geriatrics, right? Like, yeah, well, (laughs) you know, and that's important. Like, you know, in Better Health While Aging, I've heard you say many a time on your podcast, I'm going to, you know, let's see if you can think like a geriatrician, or I'm going to teach you how to think like a geriatrician, but you're right. It's, it's the nub of what matters. Mm -hmm. So taking the time to figure out what's going on and what matters to your parent can craft a solution that they're going to accept instead of just trying to force something that's going to be a non-starter. Yeah. And I think another thing that, you know, is an idea in geriatrics that we work with a lot is that everything is connected to everything else. Mm. right? Mm. You know? Yeah, house of cards. Uh, <laughs> right. So it's kind of like, okay, well, before you go chasing down this thing, let's take a comprehensive look at things, mm-hmm. you know, and see, because they're probably all connected. So that was the idea behind taking stock. 
Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't just like, here's a list of signs your parent needs help or symptoms that you should report to the health provider, although I definitely included that. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was also then, you know, before you go off trying to do something, it's also like, you know, having a conversation with your parent, not just to tell them what you think should change or tell them what the problems are. Actually, early on, I recommend not doing that, but more yeah. to sort of really listen and understand, like, how are they seeing this situation because even if they say things that seem completely crazy to you that's to see how their view of it is different from yours is really important information and if yeah. it seems completely not grounded in reality that's useful information for everybody too right? that is too right <laughs> like you and I would yeah <laughs> be interested in that information mm. and mm. also because when we do that you know we generate more connection with yeah. the person and they feel more likely to listen to our advice, or we can mm-hmm. frame the recommendations we're going to make later as ways to help them get something that they said they wanted and was mm-hmm. important to them. So, so that was another part that I felt was important. So, so there's kind of learning about your parents' situation and values. Mm-hmm. And then the taking aim part was about helping people understand usually what would we want to do and why. So they could have an understanding of what would be the steps that often we as geriatricians or as geriatric care managers, because I do want to speak to our colleagues, right, who we work with ideally closely, Uh social workers or nurses or people who can sort of assess the living situation, the care needs, negotiating kind of like what might support the person in whatever they're they're struggling with. Uh I wanted to give people a sense of how we usually looked into what people need, why, and how we might help so that later as they make their plan, they know what they're hoping to get towards. And that makes total sense because if you don't know what your goal is, you won't sort of know when you've got there, right? Or right. if you should just keep spinning your wheels or throwing more money at it or hiring somebody else. I mean, no, you know, and you have to set realistic goals. Yeah. It's, like, it's just such a universal thing, right? Like if anything you're trying to achieve, you have to set those goals and they have to be achievable. Then you have to see where you're at. And, but so I appreciate that. And the book is so practical. And so to, just to go back to the taking stock for a second, one of the things I really loved was how in the book you talk about using the other sources of data. Uh, and how to, so you talk to your parent and there's amazing advice there about really practical communication uh, strategies. And there, I should have mentioned this sooner, but I have to give a lot of credit for that to my co-author, Paula Spencer Scott, because I did not write this Mm. book by myself. I wrote it with Paula, who is a dear friend Mm. and longtime writing colleague. When I first Mm. started writing for the public about problems with aging parents, that was for a website called caring.com in 2008. And Paula was one of the writers and she was my editor. And so she helped me become a better writer for the public, but she's also a published author, a journalist who used to write about parenting and families and now has written more about elder care. So she really helped craft those sentences of things to say and things to not say based on her previous work. And then she's also gone, you know, through this journey with her parents and, you know, Mm. parents-in-law as well. So yes, I was excited to be able to tell people not just listen more attentively and respectfully, but to really give them, you know, specific examples of what tends to go over well and what is often counterproductive and creates more conflict. Yes, so exactly. And it's really spelled out. So you don't just say, here's how to say it. There's actual script 
in there mm-hmm. that a person could use. And, you know, you can change it so that it sounds more like you're saying it, but those phrases were great. And uh, I kind of wish I had a cheat sheet like that for other areas of my life too, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> for my parenting or, you know, with your marriage, like yeah, there's yeah, gotta yeah. be when you had the way of saying things, there's a way to say it that is going to get the, you know, the information you want. And there's a way that'll shut it down. Yeah. So, so that's really great that it is so practical. And that's wonderful that Paula was able to help co-write that, that section. And we should tell people what the cheat sheets are. They're actual downloadable papers, like, you know, documents that, that you could print off and use and, you know, edit and change around and you can, and they're, they're throughout the book. So that's, yeah. that's a great resource too. It's not just a book. It's got practical, you know, it's got little handbooky things that you can use. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, Paula co-wrote the, the whole book, but she has always had a really kind of practical style in her books and writing. That's part of why we like working together. Cause that's my inclination too. Mm-hmm. And, and so in every chapter, we sort of tell people what we recommend. And then we have like a section called tool where we kind of spell out how to do it. And then what we did is that for each of those practical sections, for most of them, we have created a complimentary downloadable PDF version. Mm -hmm. People who buy the book will be able to go to a link and enter information and then get these printables because the book itself is otherwise going to be, I think, you know, six by nine. And so, you know, there's the practical information in there, but we thought that some people might also enjoy having something printable that they could reference right before they have the conversation with their parent or use to make sure they've collected all the signs that there might really be something wrong with memory or thinking. So, so we have those tools in the book. And then the other thing, which I'm sure you saw also, is that we also created two families to follow mm-hmm. throughout the book. Yeah. The real life stories. Yeah. Two, mm-hmm. two families. And so in every chapter, at the end of the chapter, we have what this looks like. Mm -hmm. So first one family and then the other implementing the steps in that specific chapter. Because when we thought about it, I just felt like I find it always so helpful when people show me a few specific examples, like Mm -hmm. here's what it might look like. That just like gets my juices going of like, oh, here's how I might do it for my situation. And so I really wanted that to be part of the book. Yeah. I love that actually the real life stories and it's, they're really well done because they seem really true to life, like based on my experience as a geriatrician, I've seen people that have gone mm-hmm. through that. One of the caregivers is, is the out-of-town son mm-hmm. caring for a dad, and the other is the daughter who lives nearby and caring for the mom. And they have different sort of challenges, you know, but there's the common theme of trying to help, and it, these are not the ideal situations for sure. And that's something that you touch on early on in the book is we're going to talk about what could ideally happen, but then we'll also talk about what's likely to realistically happen. So I think getting that straight in your head early on as a caregiver kind of helps you to frame your expectations. And then reading those, those family stories, you can say, okay, well, gosh, you know, Zeke is doing his best and so am I. And, you know, he didn't have a perfect outcome and he did, he did, you know, all these things, right. There's always some success. Yeah. That's another thing I liked is giving, and this is near the end, the digging in for the long haul. You sort of say, 
reflect on your successes, mm-hmm. right? Like think about what has gone right. Because mm-hmm. even if you feel like there's a fail, you know, thinking about my own experience, encouraging my parents to hire help, you know, so I, I did what I, what I thought they wanted and kind of got, you know, got an agency, got a helper. I thought it was a good fit. And after, you know, three days, no, it wasn't a good fit because of this, this, and this, you know? So, okay, didn't work, but then they were able to hire their own help that they sort of found through another route. And they're, they're having the person come in, you know, one third as often as what I think is right. But at least they've, they've taken that step. It's a big step because they've never had in-home help before, right? Mm-hmm. So that's a start. That's a small yeah. win. And I think that was like a result that I got out of the book because otherwise I would have thought, you know, I probably would have felt like, well, that's a fail. Like clearly this, you know, this is terrible, but reading the book, I thought, okay, well, yes, there's that success. And I was able to go back and talk to them too, in a way that I explored, like, why didn't that work out? You know, like, mm-hmm. tell me more. I even, I said some of those phrases, I said, tell me more about that. Okay. So what I'm hearing is your privacy is really important, Yeah. you know, and, and even though you can afford it, you want to, you want to balance your budget in this way, just to share my experience with it. You know, that was something that, that I was able to reflect and say, okay, we had that success there. And Mm -hmm. so documenting that, being aware of that, I think was very helpful. So it helped me to feel better and to have more energy to keep going, Yeah, which is what you need. I think there Uh you're you're bringing up so many important things. First of all, you as a geriatrician are actually an expert in this. Mm. You know, we sometimes forget that even when we're experts ourselves, when it happens to us, it's different. Mm-hmm. And so having something that reminds us of the little steps that are just so easy to overlook, even if you are an expert and actually know it, yeah. just in the moment is really helpful. Mm-hmm. And I think also that people often feel like this is so hard, I must be doing it wrong. Or I'm not getting what I wanted for them, the answers, the safety, the cooperation, you know, there's something wrong, right? There's something, yeah. I'm doing something wrong or there's something wrong. And And I wanted people to feel reassured that, I mean, in a way, there's something wrong in that it's wrong that in our society, it's still so hard for so many people to go through this journey that's incredibly common, right? Yeah, yeah. I think it's wrong that as a society, we don't have better supports available to help people through this, but we don't. And so what I wanted, you know, people to understand is that it's common for this to be really hard because unfortunately... We don't have enough social workers who are trained in helping older adults and their families navigate this. We don't have enough health providers who are trained in this. In fact, often the health providers end up being, you know, another obstacle that you kind of have to overcome or manage. Yeah, yeah. And so if you're there thinking, this is so hard, I want to give people empathy and say, I know, I'm sorry. I wish it were different, but it's, it's not you. You're not missing something easy. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. You know, it's just like the nature of this is that as a society, we have not invested in creating the teams to be there to help families through this. So you are going to have to go through it. It, it is common for it to take several conversations with your parents, several Mm -hmm. tries, several tries talking to the doctor, several tries, sometimes talking to your siblings. Mm -hmm. That's, that's just how it is. So it doesn't mean you're doing it wrong. You know, here's some guidance to help you know where to expend your energy and also give Mm -hmm. yourself some grace, you know, like little steps will eventually get you there. We also try to emphasize as an adult child, and you know this, we see a lot of guilt and a lot of people taking on so much responsibility. They really want to make the situation 
perfect for their parent. They want all these changes and they want their yeah. parent to be happy. Mm-hmm. You know, so we also in the book tried to reiterate that you can't make this usually totally right, mm-hmm. certainly not quickly. And that it's not necessarily your job to you show up and try to help and offer help. And it may or may not be accepted or maybe not right away. Mm-hmm. We also talk about some guidance on when to know whether you should be a little bit more forceful in intervening because that does come up. Mm-hmm. But that just showing up and trying to help is often a large part of it. So we, we try to provide people with a little bit of comfort and reassurance. Oh, yeah. But it's often a long journey that is hard. Yeah, that really does come across. I think it's done so well. Like the book, it's because it's hard to balance that, right? Like if, I think you can read this, like it's sort of, aimed for the the adult child who's looking after the older parent. It's very empathetic that way, but it's also incredibly respectful of the older adult, right? So it kind of, in a really nice way, it says, hey, child of an aging parent, check yourself. Are yeah. you, is, it, is this you? It's me versus them. That, and that's a tool that you mentioned, right? Like, right. is this is this your goal or is it your parents' goal, you know? So are you trying to get them to do stuff to like yeah. meet your own needs for yeah, knowing yeah. they did everything right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's hard to do that, like with empathy, right? To say, hey, listen, you might need to uh, respect your parent in a different way than you thought you were or help them, you know, mm-hmm. you're going to have to accept that they, they might want to live with risk. That's something that, that you bring up many times in the book is that if we think about what the what the child wants, it's like you mentioned, comfort, you know, they want the parent to be happy. They want to not get 200 phone calls a day. They want maximum safety, the situation under control. <laughs> Never falls. I can go on my vacation to Hawaii and not worry about them, right. you know. Exactly. But, but the parent probably wants a lot more autonomy. In, like, you know, they might value the independence, the privacy, you know, being able to see the family and the friends, like even let's look at the situation with COVID, right? Some people might say, I want to see my grandchild. I'm willing to accept that they might expose me to COVID. What the val- their value might be different than what we're project, what we would project right. on the person. So, yeah. uh, so that's an interesting balance that this book strikes, I think, is yeah. between the, the parent and the child, because it really emphasizes the relationship. Like you've said, you know, mm-hmm. like this is what you can do to get the result you want. But in the end, a lot of it is going to be about the relationship mm-hmm. that you have with your parent and yeah. uh, preserving that or trying to even even uh, deepen that, right, mm-hmm. as you're going on this journey. Mm-hmm. So. But again, I think I'm channeling the things that we do as geriatricians, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, in geriatrics, if you end up in geriatrics, you've been willing to provide medical care to people where often there's there's no cure, there's no fix, Right. Right. We help our patients and their families consider Uh trade-offs and pick a way forward in situations where none of the options are what we would have chosen in a perfect world. Uh So the book is, again, you know, just trying to bring more of that geriatrics approach, you know, and make it accessible to more people, even if they're not able to get a lot of care from a geriatrician or a geriatric care manager. Absolutely. So let's go back to the to the book then. So we've gone through taking stock, taking aim. Mm -hmm. And a big part of taking aim or one thing that I thought was very valuable was getting the medical assessment, Mm -hmm. and then going to the medical assessment. Mm -hmm. So this is a high stakes kind of thing, right? Mm -hmm. Like, oftentimes, there's a long wait. Mm-hmm. to get to the person, to get to the right person. And then there's this visit. Mm-hmm. You know, do you, do you think that many people are unprepared for these visits? And why, you know, how could they be better prepared? For, say, say you're taking your, your mom to the family doctor. 
yeah. and you want to get all this addressed, like how could they be better prepared? First, sometimes families don't realize that they really should get involved in that medical evaluation, right? Mm -hmm. So they sort of leave their older parent to go or motivate on their own and tell them. Mm -hmm. And especially if there have been concerns about memory problems or thinking problems that you know, may not be right. I think just people start off kind of assuming the healthcare system will take care of a lot more than it does, right? Mm -hmm. They assume that the doctor will notice that their parent is having all these problems and will mm -hmm. be able to get the information they need just from a short visit with their parents. And, and in fact, it's, you know, that's often not the case. And even yeah. you and I, actually, even if we're attuned to it, we can have difficulty getting the information we need because if an older person's been forgetful or is worried about disclosing some problems they've been having, because they uh -huh. may understandably be worried that we're going to then advise that they change their life in a way that they often don't want to do, right? Or yeah. feel deep ambivalence about doing, they may not be entirely forthcoming. So so I think people just, unless they've already had a lot of experience with the healthcare system and with these kinds of problems, can underestimate the degree to which they're going to need to be proactive and advocate. Uh -huh. And then there's also the fact that many primary care providers just, they seem to have difficulty being very helpful. And I think, you know, sometimes it's uh -huh. lack of training uh -huh. or experience or comfort with looking into this. And I think some of it is just lack of time. And that certainly in the States, we often put them in a position where they have, you know, short visits and are under a lot of pressure. And that doesn't put them in a good position to explore something that's more challenging and, you know, messy like this. So I wanted yeah. people to be, you know, to kind of understand what was likely to happen and start thinking about how they can work around it because they, they are still going to usually have to work with their parents usual doctors. Yeah, that's true. And, and it may take a few tries also to uh -huh. either get an older parent to the doctor or get the doctor to communicate. I wanted to illustrate, you know, ideally what it would look like and then also talk about the ways that it often doesn't go quite right and give people some <laughs> specific, yeah. you know, suggestions for how to get around those. Yeah. And you do that very well. I mean, that's, unfortunately, that is a scenario, right? That we see that the person, the family physician or whatever the practitioner might be dismissive. And there's some ageism there too. I think mm -hmm. it's, it's probably sure. true that some people think it is normal aging to have some of those problems that might be reported. And so I really appreciated that in the book, you, you go through, well, if they say this, like you could counter politely, you know, by saying, well, how do you explain these mm -hmm. symptoms? Like what would be another explanation for this? What other tests could we have or, or things like that? So this, there's very, very helpful kind of cheat sheet there for things that you could say or ask for. And then it also covers when to ask for a second opinion or a mm -hmm. referral, which I think is, you know, what a lot of people want to know, like, when is it reasonable for mm -hmm. me to do that? And, and mm -hmm. you know, and so that's true in Canada. And, and I think too, is that, you know, a lot of the issues that you're talking about, the short visits and the, the differences in the expertise is very true. So that's something that I think people would find helpful would mm -hmm. be getting the script to do that, to do the advocacy in a polite way, but one that's likely to get results and maintain the relationship with the doctor because mm -hmm. yeah because you need that person usually as an ally mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So. so then we're kind of we've alluded to this a few times but we've mentioned dementia mm -hmm. and and that is 
that's often, that's often a very important piece, not always, but in helping mm -hmm. an older adult, right? And, and that's often where people come in and say they're meeting so much resistance, you know, or the, pay, the mom is in denial or something. Like as a geriatrician, kind of, when do we think about dementia as a cause for some of these conflicts between, with the older parent? Well, so I'm not sure what your practice is, but for me, whenever an older child complains about their parent not wanting to do this and being worried and resisting, I always start off thinking, could there be a memory or thinking issue there? Mm -hmm. Partly because if it is, you know, we want to think about how to help, but also because I think, you know, as an adult child, if you're thinking, should I get involved and push them to do something that they don't want to do? It's really important, this question of capacity right? Of yeah. mental capacity, because people have the right to make their own decisions unless they've become mentally impaired and can no longer clearly understand the decision and the consequences of making one choice or another. So that's the, the other reason, because if, if your older parent has mental capacity and is just making choices you don't like, mm -hmm. refusing to go to the doctor, choosing to live in a, like a three-story house with tons of stairs and all that, but if they are, you know, for the most part, mentally clear enough, then you can be worried. You can try to persuade them to consider other alternatives. And you, you really are supposed to accept that they get to decide things mm -hmm. that you don't like. But if, if they are impaired and a, a cause of this kind of impairment in aging adults, especially once they get into you know, their later 80s and 90s, is that they are mentally slipping, then the calculus becomes a little different, right? Right. Because yeah. they clearly are still expressing this preference to maintain their autonomy and take risks, but they also don't understand it in quite the same way. And also at mm -hmm. some point, they're likely just to need care and supervision, even if they don't want it. So I think, you know, that question of, is their memory and thinking impaired? And if it is, is it a permanent condition, which we would describe as, you know, dementia, a syndrome of having developed memory and thinking problems that are chronic and that are bad enough that your daily life functions mm -hmm. are impaired. And as you know, Alzheimer's is the most common underlying cause of dementia, but there are, are some other ones. And I felt that, you know, not everybody who's worried about an aging parent who's maybe having some safety issues or problem at home. Not all of those older adults are having memory or thinking problems or have dementia, but I felt that I wanted to give people the guidance on how to know if they really should be worried and how that should get evaluated. And I think it's often a very hard time for people when there's this uncertainty mm -hmm. and they have not yet gotten any evaluation or a diagnosis. Mm -hmm. And then another thing that we speak to in the book is that a certain number of people will be in this gray area that might be the very earliest stages of dementia. And that's really right. difficult for everybody involved. And their ability to make decisions might be kind of borderline too, right? Their yeah. ability to drive might be borderline. Yeah. And just the nature of that kind of condition that slowly progresses is that people will spend a certain period of time in this gray area stage. And it's really yeah. uncomfortable and difficult for families. I mean, it makes me uncomfortable as a provider too, right? And probably yeah. you, you know, we have... Yeah. People were like, oh, I think they're kind of, you know, slipping or they're, they're impaired, but they can still kind of take care of their meds, kind of take, you know, and it's not, yeah. it's not yet significant enough that one can really override them. Yeah. And so I wanted to help people understand too, that that's a common stage and that they might, you know, after evaluation, find that that's where they're at for, yeah. for the time being. No, I agree. And I think that's done really well in the book too. Like, and you do give some sort of checklists about, and it is very much about the function because you're right. Mm -hmm. Like you can have changes in memory, but if it's not affecting function, then it's probably not 
dementia. It could be, but if, if there has to be so or not yet. <laughs> yeah, not yet. Not yet. Or uh -huh. not like, you know, you, you wouldn't have if you have nothing wrong in that sort of function checklist, you know, chances are it's not. Yeah. Maybe you can give a few examples of what you look at when you're thinking about function. <laughs> I want to make sure everybody understands what we mean by function. Yeah, no, you know what? That's a great point. So and and that's why we're very nosy too, right? Mm -hmm. And and sometimes you have to ask a few different sources, but it is things like a person's driving skills. You know, are have did they go out to get milk and come back three hours later? Did they, did you get a call from the police that they're two towns over and you know ran out of gas on the side of the road? Yeah. What do they need help with? Yes. What, yeah. what is it that they skills. now are having trouble doing that they could do before, uh -huh. like organizing yeah. a meal? Like yeah. grocery shopping, right? Medications. Medications. Finances. Finances is often an early one. Finances is definitely an early one. Yeah. Or later getting dressed, right? Yeah. Getting yeah. to the bathroom. Yeah. That's what yeah. we mean when we say function. Recognizing. Yes. So, mm -hmm. yeah. So, and so dementia does affect those, right? Mm -hmm. And it starts with those higher things like driving and banking and shopping and finances, and then it progresses to the more basic things. Yeah. But just because a person has a diagnosis of dementia, it doesn't necessarily mean they're not capable. Right. Like you say, you know, and you, you mentioned that, and I think the book does a good job too of clearly talking about the, the basics of what you kind of need to know about privacy and power of attorney and capacity. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's a clear, it's, that's a thing that we get lots of comments on. I know on the website, you know, almost mm -hmm. every week there's questions about capacity and, and privacy and can I see this and can I do that? Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, just because you get a diagnosis of dementia doesn't mean you're automatically incapable. So I like how the book kind of talks about how complex it is and how, mm -hmm. how, you know, you might not be able to just take over, even if you have power of attorney, once you get that diagnosis, it doesn't mean that you can now take control of your mom's no, life. It doesn't. So, so you make it really clear. Mm -hmm. So that's really well done. That's taking aim. So figuring out where do I need to focus my energy, as you say, and then we get to taking action. So mm -hmm. we've alluded to some of those things where, you know, you're, you're doing things and then seeing how they pan out. But one thing I really liked was that in the book, you mentioned this approach that is kind of five steps mm -hmm. and it's A, B, C, D, E. Mm -hmm. So it's got like a really easy to remember acronym, which we love. Paula came up with that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so good. No, it's really good. And it's like, and it's this iterative thing. So A is. It's assess. Assess. Brainstorm, brainstorm, choose, do, and experiment. Experiment. Yeah. So tell me more about that approach. Yeah. So, I mean, I think one of the challenges in creating a resource for people helping who are worried about an aging parent and problem with like, let me tell you what to do is that, of course, there's an enormous amount of variability in the family's like situation, right? The specific problems they're having, the older parents' preferences, what are the, you know, financial possibilities, the care options, who's available and in what way to assist, you know, whether that's the provider, whether the provider is very involved and accessible or there's no provider, you know, who are the family members involved. So what we tried to do is give people a framework so they could then take everything they'd learned about their specific situation, their parents, and on what we kind of taught them about, here's how ideally it would work, and then kind of plug it in together to come up with a plan for what they would attempt to do next. 
and we kind of envisioned over the next one to three months. So, and we made a worksheet for it too. So assess was, you know, to help them go back over what they'd learned, were the specific things their parent was struggling with, what kind of evaluation their parent had already had, if they'd been able to find that out, what their parent was amenable to, what their parent cared about, whether they thought there were memory problems or not, whether they thought capacity might be an issue. Mm-hmm. And then looking at what's been done and reviewing our list of here's what ideally would happen. It's then kind of like brainstorming. So, you know, what are some things we could do next? Mm-hmm. And in the book, we do say, you know, that often, not always, but often what people want to do next is pursue that medical evaluation. So if an older person mm-hmm. is declining or having difficulty, we want to understand why, because the why affects what we're going to do about it and how we would help. Because it's often, as you said, it's more about just getting somebody into clean. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're yeah. having difficulty cleaning. Are they having difficulty with other things? What does this mm-hmm. mean? You know, mm-hmm. what kind of other help mm-hmm. might they need now? And what does this mean for what your family needs to know about what to plan for over the next six to 12 months and maybe for years after? Yeah. So often getting more of that medical evaluation is important and taking steps to kind of shore up the older person's living or safety situation. You know, Mm -hmm. those are often things that people want to do next or just working on getting them to accept more help. Mm -hmm. We tried to create kind of a a worksheet where people could then, you know, make a list of all the things they could do. And and usually there'll be a lot of them, right? So Mm -hmm. probably have this happen too. When we first do our evaluation, like our list of everything that could be done to help the older person (laughs) for next steps is like, (laughs) mine is like this long, right? And it's overwhelming (laughs) for everybody. So so I'm like, okay, here's, you know, but it's really like, okay, let's pick one to three max. Yeah to try to work on and yeah. everything else you're going to have to set aside for right now. Cause it's mm-hmm. just not, it's not doable for us as providers, for the family, the older person is going to get overwhelmed if you try to address sort of 20 things. So that would be yeah. the, the choose part and then kind of really kind of planning out a few next steps. Mm-hmm. And then we do emphasize that generally you're going to come up with this idea of talking to your parent or the doctor or this, and that you should really be prepared to have to try to do it a few times. Yes. That's just the nature of how it goes. But if you go in expecting that you're going to have one conversation, you're going to get the connection, the understanding, the acceptance, and everything is going to fall into place. Mm -hmm. I think it happens once in a blue moon for some lucky family, but most of the time. I wonder if there's any cultures where it does happen. Like I'm trying to think of if that's culturally sensitive at all. Like if it's, if there's some cultures where the parents do whatever the kids want. Oh, I think maybe, well, hmm, that's a you good know? question, but it's definitely not what happens in, in the States. Yeah, I, I can't think of one off the top of my head. If anyone wants to leave a comment and yeah, tell us, exactly, and tell us. <laughs> I'll encourage my kids to marry into that culture. Yeah, right. <laughs> so yeah, so that's the, the D, the doing, you know, go try mm-hmm. to do something and then E, expect to have to experiment with it, you know, a little bit. Yeah. So have a first conversation with the doctor or attempt to get them to help. And if it doesn't quite work out the way you were hoping, which is what I would recommend people expect, hope for the best, mm-hmm. expect the likely, Yeah, you know, then, you know, then you're going to try a slightly different angle and just try it a few times. Mm-hmm. And it's hard in that adult children usually are trying to sort this out with their parent while they are juggling lots of other obligations, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Children at home. I mean, you've been talking about your older parents, but you also have children at home that you're, you know. Helping. I do. I have four teenagers. There we yeah. go. Right. Plus your own <laughs> career as a geriatrician. Yeah. Yeah. Husband, dog. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Friends. 
yeah. some people are juggling their own like health issues or other yes. life issues as well. So, so in a way I feel bad telling people, you know, be ready to try it this several times, but yeah. I also felt like, well, I, I want people to have a realistic understanding. Yeah. Oh, that's really well done. I don't want to discourage them by saying, you know, I'm sorry, you might have to try this a few times. I want them to be ready for that. And also to think, well, how can I pace myself? Mm -hmm. How can I take care of myself? And also, please don't beat yourself up if the first time you talk to the doctor or your parent, it didn't work out magically right away. Mm -hmm. It's not you. <laughs> yeah. It's the nature of how this goes. Yeah. Um, and so that was our, you know, our ABCDE formula. And then um, we did yeah. create a worksheet to go with it if people want to, you know, a little bit of help figuring out, okay, what am I going to try to do over the next, you know, one to two months mm -hmm. to help address my parents' situation? I think that's so good. And that, that really did come across that like, you know, this, that's what, that's the balance again, that was struck in this book is that the encouragement to try the practical tools to try, but acknowledging that it, it's a, you're dealing with human systems, right? And mm -hmm. so you're going to have challenges, but then you also present workarounds, right? Mm -hmm. Like if this didn't work, try this. You know, and some of those workarounds are things that I do recommend in my office, you know, including, so you mentioned, there's a lot in the book about how to enlist the help of siblings, mm -hmm. how to enlist the help of other professionals mm -hmm. and other allies. And then you also mentioned using fiblets sometimes. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it, and that can range from sort of framing things in a way that, you know, is you're reframing it to, to be something that the person's going to, the parent's going to like more to, to outright kind of lying, but with a good intent. Yes. Yes. Well, I always <laughs> want to be a little, a little careful about that one, <laughs> but yes, it's, you know, and it should only be considered if you really think somebody is having memory or thinking problems to the point that they right. truly cannot understand. Right. And ideally that would have been confirmed by an expert, but that is, you know, one of the things that geriatric care managers and other elder care experts often, you know, recommend families try is, is that you don't have to necessarily tell the entire truth. Now, this can be ethically fraught and potentially yeah. legally a little bit tricky, but it is, you know, mm -hmm. something to consider and that I at least want people to know about. But, but yes, in writing the obstacles section, I am indebted to not only the families that I've worked with in person, but all the people, again, who have written to Better Health While Aging over the years. And then, you know, I've also been offering, you know, various online helping older parents programs for the last two mm -hmm. years. It started with a boot camp program. In 2018, in 2019 and 2020, we've been doing an online membership, which is kind of similar. We're reworking that for 2021. But, you know, we do hear from people like what the stuck spots are. <laughs> so Yeah, yeah. The, the book, I'm just like so grateful to all the older adults and their families who I've interacted with online and in person for bringing those up. And then also in our membership, we've had three geriatric care managers. And I've also learned from other geriatric care managers that I've worked with, but they often have more on the ground knowledge of how to troubleshoot some of these things. Uh -huh. And so we built that into, into the book as well. So, so yes, we've been taking action we help people make a plan, A, B, C, D, E. But then the next chapter is like common obstacles and what you can try. <laughs> yeah. And that was just us thinking, so where does it often go wrong? And we yeah. with a list and picked the most common ones and then offered our suggestions for things that people could try or ask about or consider and think about, could this work for my situation? 
Yeah, no, and I think that's good. And again, I think this is the way the book is laid out and the content of it is such that I think people will skip back and forth between different sections, depending on where they are in their mm-hmm. journey and where those, would you call them sucky spots? Yeah. Or, you know, little pinch stuck points spots. are. <laughs> yeah, this is stuck spots. Um, so, so depending on where you are, you can move, you know, back and forth between the modules. And that's one thing about the course too, the Helping Older Parents membership has, has kind of a course with modules that cover a lot of the same content, but they have different sort of areas of focus. And I found that, you know, going through the course, I would sometimes want to skip back and forth between mm-hmm. the different modules. So that's, I really appreciate the layout of the book because it's, it's really, it, it's like a handbook. It's a handbook for aging parents. Yeah, the book I really thought of as like the step-by-step, especially if you were either getting started, new mm-hmm. to this, getting involved in your older parents' health, life, care, whatever, or even if you've already been involved, if you felt like you had to kind of rethink how that involvement was or a particular problem. I felt like it could be helpful for that, really actionable. And yes, the course, you know, pre-existing course, I'm thinking of redoing somewhat because the course covered a few other like big picture geriatrics issues and got, I think, a little bit more into the the ongoing journey of Mm -hmm. helping a parent with housing, care, and navigating the sort of overall chronic care conditions, end of life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just feel like most people can't work with us. And so, you know, can we help them by teaching them so that they have a little bit better foundation? And they're still going to have to do the work of yeah. helping their aging parent on this journey. And even when you kind of know what could happen, I mean, as you've experienced, right, it's, it's hard when it's you. Oh, yeah. Close relationships yeah. and we, they just bring up our own worries and we want the best for our older parents and we also want to get along better with them and everybody else and yeah so I can't pretend to make this easy but you know my hope was that through better health while aging and these helping older parents programs and now this book which is you know a piece of it is to make it a little easier yeah and you know when we started this discussion you said well I'm you know I'm I'm just an average geriatrician you know I don't have any special magic but I beg to differ I mean I think you do because I think that as you say, there aren't enough geriatricians. And so to have one with your ability to take this information and to translate it and communicate it, that's exceptional because, you know, (laughs) we geriatricians are pretty good, but no, honestly, to be able to, um, to really, like I say, it's like you're over the shoulder of the person, you know, with empathy, but also with some practical advice and some, you know, no sugar coating, keeping it real. To be able to do that, it is a tremendous talent. So oh, well, I think you are pretty special. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah. in geriatrics, well, I guess in medicine, many of us like to teach, right? We like to teach mm-hmm. our, our patients, our families, or we teach medical students and mm-hmm. residents, which I think you've done in the past. And yeah. I always really took to heart this idea that the most important member of the healthcare team is the patient and family. And so we in geriatrics have learned so much about how to help older adults through common age-related health challenges so that they can have better well-being and quality of life and so that the care can be a better fit for what matters to them and not Mm. only address longevity, but also their living situation and their independence. Those are things we know as geriatricians. And so this idea of how can we how can we help more regular people access that? How can we teach people that? And then I've benefited a lot from working with people like Paula who helped me make the writing better and just sort of doing it a lot 
but you also have gone into this and you have a talent for doing it on video <laughs> that, <laughs> Thank you. That, that I don't have at all. So it's, it's been fun to collaborate with, with you because I do really think that it's important for us to be providing more information and support to families who are on that journey. But yes, the specifics of what I do as a geriatrician, like the diagnoses I think about and how I talk to people in person, I think, you know, hopefully I do it as well as you do and as my other geriatrician colleagues do. I've, I have a lot. Of, thank you. I, well, I think you're special too, but I, you know, geriatricians as a breed are quite, uh, they're, they're all quite good. I can't think of too many bad ones. No, no. Well, we, we chose to go into this. So there's something you yeah. know, that, that, drew us, that drew us to it. So, yeah. well, thank you once Great. again for, yeah. for reading it and for helping me get the, the word out about it. And also for your contributions, actually, to Better Health While Aging in responding to comments and, you know, being a fellow traveler with me on this road of like, let's share geriatrics online. It's been wonderful. It has been a lot to me. Yeah, well, thank you. You know, I just want to share that uh, I read this book, as I said before, I read it as a geriatrician, but also as a child who's helping aging parents. And it had so much value to me in both of those realms, because I think the book just really balances the respect of the older adult, the autonomy and the independence, but it really captures that struggle of trying to help your parent and just feeling wholly inadequate to the task. So it was, it was comforting, but it was also very practical. Did you feel more adequate after you read it? Or did you remember <laughs> did. that in fact you are doing enough <laughs> and you're adequate? And I, and those words rang in my head many times that you're doing enough, mm-hmm. but you're doing is good enough. Mm-hmm. And you know, you're doing your best and you're doing all that you can do. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so those words and those little aphorisms really did stay with me. And uh, I think this book is a fabulous guide to having a more fulfilling relationship with your parent mm-hmm. as they age, because that's, you know, as you mentioned, you're not always going to get to the successful outcome the first time or maybe any time, but you can, going through the process that you describe in the book, you can deepen that relationship mm-hmm. with your parent. Yeah. I wish all my patients' families would read it. And I'm so glad that I did. Well, it will be out soon. It's going to be released on February 11th, and it's actually currently available for pre-order in both Kindle and print version on Amazon. So I'll post a link down below where people can get more information. And we are offering right now a special bonus to people who pre-order. They can get um, early access to some of the cheat sheets, and then the complete book will be available on February 11th. Also, right now, pre-orders are only available on Amazon, but once the book comes out, it will be available on other platforms, such as Apple Books and Barnes & Noble and several others for people who prefer to not buy from Amazon. So I'm uh, really excited to be having it come out very soon. It is, you know, I think somewhat U.S. specific, but of course, hopefully it will be helpful to people in Canada as well. Oh, yeah, I think it would be. And I think you need to put me down for at least 12 copies so that I can share them with all my colleagues and then maybe start giving them out to families. Maybe before they come for their visit, we'll send them Mm, a copy. (laughs) They, They might cancel. You'll do the Canadian edition. Yes. Yeah. I'd love to. That would be a privilege. Yeah. Okay. So we should watch out for those announcements. And maybe if people want to hop on the mailing list to make sure that yeah. they don't miss that. That is definitely a good way. Yeah. We have an interest list and we'll post a link to where people can sign up for, for updates. And then otherwise, of course, at Better Health While Aging, we love to have people follow along, whether their families or older adults interested in their own health. And we always recommend that people also follow Dr. Didick of The Wrinkle because Mm -hmm. she creates lots of short videos 
which also can be a great resource for lots of topics. TheWrinkle.ca. <laughs> well, thank you yeah. again, Dr. Nicole. Always oh, a pleasure, pleasure to talk to you. And thank you also for helping me co-host the Better Health All Aging podcast. Oh, I love doing it. And I'm looking forward to many more collaborations. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. And with that, I'm going to wrap up this episode of Better Health While Aging. If you have any questions about something you heard in this episode, you can post it on the show notes page for the episode. I'll also be posting some links to some of the resources that I mentioned in the episode. To find the show notes, visit betterhealthwhileaging.net and click podcast in the main menu at the top. Last but not least, if you've been enjoying the podcast, don't forget to support us by subscribing on iTunes. And if you've already done that, please leave a rating and review. This makes it easier for others to discover our show in iTunes, and I would love for the many people who are interested in health or aging or family caregivers to be able to find it and give it a chance. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Dr. Leslie Kernison, and I'm looking forward to you joining us for future episodes.